Good morning, everybody. Merry Christmas to you all. There we go. All right. We're feeling it. Uh, If you have a Bible, uh, we're going to invite you to be in a couple of different places. Uh, The the verses will be printed on the screen. I'm going to ask you to join me in reading them out loud. Will you do that? Okay, three of you will, hopefully. The rest of you will change your minds. I know how easy it is to be distracted in worship. After the first service and the traditional service, someone came up to me afterwards, they said, I, I was distracted the whole worship service. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. Everything okay? They said, I have to make sure that those poinsettias will be watered so that they can still look as beautiful in our last service today. I was like, we'll make sure of that. We will do that. It's easy to get distracted, all right? But today, we get to conclude our Advent series we're landing the plane celebrating the relentless faithfulness of God to keep his promise this is strength for today for all who choose to believe and hope for tomorrow it's exciting that we get to read together a small prophet a minor prophet that, that has small beginnings and celebrates just a massive cosmic implication. We're going to read Micah chapter 5, verse 2, and that following that, we're going to read Matthew chapter 2, verses 6 to 7, and then we're going to do the call and response. Are you all ready to do that? Okay, now a little more than three. Let's do it together. Micah 5, verse 2. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is of old, from ancient of days. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertain from them what time the star had appeared. All flesh is grass and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Before we study the word of the Lord, let's go to the Lord of the word in prayer. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for speaking to us. We thank you for keeping your promise to us through the person and the work of Jesus. Holy Spirit, we ask now that you would ambush us, awaken us. Lord, will the dead people in this room be brought to life? Will the sleepy Christians in this room be awakened? And Lord, will all of us know you and your faithful character more fully as we study your word, we pray. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. Uh, Today, as we finish our Advent Advent series, we're going to build upon the passages that you have heard and, and unpack something that you enjoy more than you think, more than you know, more than you might realize. And that is small things that grow and have cosmic implications, right? We love stories like this. We love small things that become big. J.K. Rowling's author of Harry Potter turned into one of the largest book series and movie series in history. They even have a theme park for Harry Potter. That's big stuff, right? You know how it started? She wrote the beginning of Harry Potter on a napkin in a cafe. Two of the largest companies in the world, Right now, Apple and Amazon, they both began in garages. 
two of the other largest uh, companies in the world, Facebook and Google. <laughs> they both launched from college dorm rooms, the civil rights movement, something that has transformed in a very healthy way, a good way, our American society. It was catalyzed, started, begun by small things leading to a whole national transformation. Like a woman in Alabama who refused to get up from one seat on one bus ride. Small things. We love the stories that turn into great cosmic implicating things. We, it's built into our DNA because stories like this shaped us. All of us are familiar with the story of Jack and the Beanstalk. Right, the boy, he trades his cow for something all of us would trade a cow for, right? Magic beans, and he plants the magic beans, and they grow into this huge beanstalk, and Jack climbs the beanstalk, and he gets all this treasure from this castle, but he's got to avoid the really evil giant who for some reason, which is characteristic of many different stories that we grew up with in fairy tales, the giant wants to eat Jack. Fee fi fo fum, I smell the blood of an Englishman. He, he thinks he's an ingredient. It's weird, I don't know why, I don't know why. But Jack goes up and down three times and he comes down from the clouds from heavens with treasure. A small thing, magic beans, turned into great treasure and he actually finds security when the wicked giant, he cuts down the beanstalk and comes down and crashes. You see, Christmas, the truth is this, is a greater story with smaller beginnings than, than Harry Potter. It has smaller beginnings with more treasure than Jack and the beanstalk who planted his magic beans and brought treasure down from heaven. It's more transforming for you personally, for your homes, for our neighborhoods, our nation, and the world than the civil rights movement that was very transforming and needed. It's also more powerful than Apple and Amazon and Facebook and Google all combined. And it had smaller beginnings. The promised seed that you heard the Smiths read about, the offspring of Eve that came from the context of, of the curse is the baby that was born in Bethlehem, a promised offspring, a baby in a backwater village of Bethlehem. It is Jesus who is God himself, fully God and fully human, a king whose rule will defeat not only the wicked, but restore and renew and reorder all of the wickedness in the world. His kingdom, it has no end. He will redeem all sad things. All bad things will be made beautiful in Christ. And he demonstrates, he guarantees this reality by he himself growing from being a baby to a man who entered into suffering and who was crucified and died. So all of us in a world of suffering and who are haunted by death can find life and resurrection hope in this child. You see, the gospel gives power because it is a promise that God guarantees and it grows faith and hope fertilized by God's forever faithfulness 
the seed that will be salvation for all who believe it's delivered by his promises. So three quick words today. Small, sovereign, and surprise. The small. The small is that the great king actually comes from Bethlehem. Micah is the only prophet that preached both to the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And we see in chapter two, and verse two of chapter five, that he talks about the size of Bethlehem, the size of the clans. It is too little, he says. But this, this promise is embedded into a section of Micah's prophecy that's called the Oracles of Salvation. And they focus on the Messiah who will come, and at the end of chapter four, the prophet had been articulating a woman who would give birth to an entire new age. And then in chapter five, we see that that woman gives birth actually to a son. And that son will be the Messiah and actually through him, the fullness of all Hebrew hope and in every heart of every human is this king who will come and his rule will extend, Micah articulates, not just from the enemy of Syria that's coming down and oppressing the northern kingdom at the time, but over Assyria eventually, ruling over God's enemies to the ends of the earth. And this promise, it seems massive, it actually comes from a small place. Look at verse two, it's wild. You, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, you're too little to be among the clans of Judah. Now you might see the contrast in the Matthew passage. He says explicitly, you're not too little, but why is that? Because the king comes from them. But in the Old Testament, they were too little, too little to be named among uh, the places of the land of Israel that were settled when when the Jews came into the promised land. They were too little to be mentioned among any lists of genealogies. And trust me, there's a lot of them in the Old Testament. They weren't anywhere. But from this small place, God does great things. From this unseen part of the world, God designates it as a platform for his grace and his glory to be seen by everyone. The small, the great king comes from Bethlehem. This is normal M.O. for a living God. And you need to know it and believe it. We could go all through the Old Testament, first kings, and see how the widow, when she was worried about her son going into slavery, had one little thing of flour left, a small thing of flour. She trusted it in the hand of God's prophet, Elijah, who took it and blessed it, and God multiplied it until she was able to pay her debts, feed her family, and have a future. We could look at the New Testament and see how the little boy in every single gospel gave his lunch, a small boy gave a small lunch into the hands of Jesus, and he did a great thing by feeding the multitudes, 5,000 men, not to mention the women and children. God does great things through small beginnings. This is what's highlighted by anyone who has faith. Jesus points to the widow who makes the smallest offering, the widow's might, that is exalted as the greatest gift because it came from a heart that fully trusted in the one that was sent from heaven. David only needed one stone to slay Goliath. He, he took five because he was a shepherd, and every shepherd knows how hard it is to find a good stone. But he only needed one. And it's just one mustard seed that needs to be planted in faith that the kingdom of God can grow and move mountains. 
God specializes in taking the small and doing great things. The question is, do you believe it? Do you trust him? Do you know him on that level? Believing that true treasure is not something you have to climb to heaven to get and to be afraid of these giants. True treasure came down to you in the form of a small child, the God-man Jesus Christ, the small and the sovereign. The sovereign is that the great king moves the kings of this world to accomplish his purposes. God keeps his promises uh, in, in a more impressive way than Dude Perfect does their trick shots. You like some Dude Perfect. You're, some of y'all are like, let's go, Dude Perfect. They stand on top of stadiums. They drop down basketballs, and they're like, we're going to send it off of this roof. We're going to send it through that hula hoop and bounce it out of the box, bank shot into the goal, and let's go. God's like, well, that's impressive. But I'm going to take a promise out of the context of the curse through an old man named Abram that the New Testament describes as good as dead. And then I'm going to take that promise through a king who was a shepherd boy, overlooked, the youngest in his family, forgotten about, who was, yes, a man after God's own heart, but so faithless, even his offspring after him, that the trunk of the tree of his father Jesse was, come off, was cut off. That, that lineage, I'm going to bring a branch up through that. I'm going to have it come out of a virgin from a backwater area, and boom, Messiah. Let's go! Like, that's impressive. And how does God make it happen? Completely through his sovereignty. How did Mary and Joseph end up in Bethlehem? Well, we were just lost one day and our GPS turned us the right way and boom, we were in Bethlehem. No. They were in another part of the Roman Empire, another part of Israel. And the king of the land, the emperor, Caesar Augustus, one of the most powerful people in all the world that time, had a heart desire placed in there by God to do a census. And because of the census, because the heart of the emperor was moved, David, David, Joseph and his family, the lineage of David, had to go to Bethlehem. They had to do it. That's how he got there. It's all just part of the, the story. God moves the hearts of kings to accomplish the very thing that he promised. He's totally sovereign. And here's the other side of that, okay? The other side of that is not just to accomplish his purposes and keep his promises. He also accentuates his enemies and highlights his victory. Now, this is, this is kind of troubling news for those of y'all who are control freaks, all right? And I know if I asked you in here, you'd say, are you a control freak? You'd say, absolutely not, but I sure came with one, right? <laughs> yeah. Nobody in here struggles with this issue of control. King Herod is the other king in this narrative, and he struggled with control. And when God keeps his promises through his sovereignty, moving the hearts of kings, local kings, these imposter kings that want power, they want control, they want everybody to answer them, they are threatened. They're threatened when the promised king comes. They're threatened when the true king comes. They're intimidated because we don't want to lose our perceived control, our perceived status. And unlike the magi, the magi hear the promise, they have faith and they come to worship. But the imposter kings, 
don't have faith, they have fear. And they don't come to worship, they worry. And they get anxious. And they get angry. And they try to control. And what happens? Fracturing. It's fruit of someone who doesn't like surprises like King Herod. But this is why the sovereign king moves kings of this world, not only to accomplish his his purpose and his promises, but to challenge, to expose, to accentuate his enemies, the idolatry of our hearts, and to highlight his victory. Do you like surprises? Do you like reminders that you're not in control, that you're not the king of your life? Do you respond like Herod, seeking to remove or to disprove anything that threatens your autonomy, your sense of stability, your perceived status, your control, or do you surrender? The last thing is is really a science of surprise, and Christmas gives us this invitation to inhabit the benefit and beauty of surprise. The surprise that God keeps his promise, and and the surprise can be greater than the negative surprises of our life. First, I wanna speak about the science of surprise. Uh, neuroscience shows that your brain actually loves surprises. You enjoy being caught off guard and not prepared. Here's how they know this. They've studied this. There is a pleasure center in your brain called the nucleus accumbens. And I know I said it right because the neuro brain scientist that was in the last worship service, he, at least he didn't say anything bad about how I pronounced it, right? <laughs> so an argument from silence, just kidding. But they say this, they say that area of the pleasure center, it quote, lights up like a tr- Christmas tree when you experience something you don't expect. You get a boost of dopamine and your brain releases a chemical that activates a neurotransmitter that's responsible for your focus and your concentration. It's like a reset of your brain shutting down activity so that you can discern the meaning of the surprise. That is actually called emotional intensification. And here's why that's important. It's important because good news is more impactful, it's more intensified. But bad news is more potent. The question of whether we trust, even in the small things, God's sovereignty, and we surrender or we we fight it like Herod and try to control, it's a real tension that we have. And 2023 uh, was full of surprises for many of you. Diagnosis, death, despair, discouragement, transition, depression, derailed plans, surprise difficulties, Surprise darkness, surprise sickness, suffering, struggle. Where do you find yourself in that story of surprises? It's important you can inhabit that because we need to remember and be reminded of of this simple truth in the world that we live in. If you're a Christ follower, the days are here when Christmas has got to move beyond sentimentality to concrete reality. We need God to become flesh. We need a king to come who rules over everything. We need someone and something greater who can redeem all of the brokenness and give birth to true peace, true hope, and joy. We need to be found. 
We need a restoration of God's design. In the surprise of God, who does big things through small beginnings, the surprise of his sovereign power, working his purpose and his promises through absolutely everything and everywhere has to do more than light up our neural activity like a Christmas tree. It's got to get a hold in our hearts. And that is what Christmas is about. Surprise! The treasure of heaven came down for you. You don't need to climb up a beanstalk to get treasure. Surprise! The baby born in Bethlehem has defeated and will completely defeat the enemy, evil, darkness, and even death. Surprise! The sovereignty of God takes even the enemy's attempts for evil and works good for those who belong to him in glory. Surprise. The creator of the cosmos was born in Bethlehem and he is the king who will redeem everything. Surprise. Jesus is alive. Jesus is still working. The wicked will not win. Evil will not prevail. Sad things are not forever. Sickness will disappear. And death will be removed forever. Surprise! The headlines of heaven are true. They fuel hope, and they're more true than the heartache and the hard times and the clickbait headlines of this world that just want to train you like a golden retriever. What? Tennis ball? No! They're unchanging. And more than a distraction for you to fuel fear, they want to fuel hope and faith. Jesus has won. He's come, and he will come again. Surprise! Jesus is in control, and you do not need to try to be. You're free. You're free to surrender. You're free to trust him and his sovereignty in every single thing, even the small things, knowing that in his sovereignty, he will do great things. You're free, free to love, free to serve, free to forgive, free to have joy and peace. You see, the gospel surprise is greater than our world surprises, and it's got to grab our hearts. Allow yourself to open your heart, to fall on your knees, to look to Jesus and his sovereignty, to bring big things from small faith, to redeem the broken things and make all of life beautiful, to give peace in your heart and in your home, to bring love to your life and all you put your hands to in your labors, that you can have joy in everything. And this is, this is I'm just gonna say this, I'm gonna tell you this, that the friction that is growing in your relationships that's growing in your fear, in your future, and in your life can be transformed to fruitful kingdom growth when you learn to trust Jesus in everything. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we love you and we thank you. We believe, help us with our unbelief. Lord, we know that you have come and that you will come again. We ask, Lord, that this truth 
this reality would not only be the, the food that satisfies the hunger of our hearts, but it would be our hope. We pray all this in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. Let's stand together. and.